Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, Aubrey, our co-host. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Aubrey, we have a conversation today with Kendra Clark. And this is this was a unique conversation the way it came about. Kendra actually wrote into us. She was a listener of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. And she said, hey, I would, I would like to share my story if I could. And um, so I, I jumped on a Zoom call with her and I started asking her some questions about her story because... You know, she wrote out her story of an email. I, I remember reading the email going, wow, that's, that's a lot. Right. Which, right. you know, I mean, a lot of times we like to zero in on maybe one aspect of somebody's story or, or one particular nuance of pain that we know would be uh, topically helpful and relevant to, you know, folks who are also walking through that. As I read hers, I was like, wow, that's a lot. Okay, let's see if she can communicate this. And as I got on a Zoom call, I just listened to her story and listened to her chronologue and mm-hmm. timeline. I was like, wow, yeah. we have got to have her on because not only has she yeah. gone through so much, so much that you guys are going through. Right. Not only has yes. she walked through these things, but she's also able to give some insight and some wisdom of how God met her in those places and what God's yeah. taught her through those places. And so I'm so excited for you to hear from Kendra Clark today. Yeah, this is a powerful episode. She she uses the phrase sort of a buffet of suffering or a buffet mm-hmm. of pain that she's been through. And listeners, you know, just to let you know, this is a this is a powerful episode. And so, you know, just be mindful of the fact that she's going to touch on a lot of different pain points, like yeah. Davey said. She's going to touch on suicide. She's going to touch on loss. She's going to touch on different kinds of suffering. And so just be mindful that, um, you know, if you've got little kids in the room, you may want to be mindful of that. Or if your own heart is more tender to some of those things, maybe make sure you, you've got some time. I'm yeah. with you and God, so you feel safe to listen. But this is a worthwhile episode to listen to because, like you said, Kendra has such incredible wisdom. You can you can sense the mm. Holy Spirit speaking through her. Yeah, um, Davy, I would love to read one of the latest reviews that we've gotten on yeah, Apple Podcast because it's really powerful and says more about what the um, podcast has been doing for people, the mm. way it's been ministering to people. So this is kind of a long one. Are you ready for ready. it? Ready. Yeah. I have always understood the significance of sharing our testimony as believers. Revelation 12, 11. Davey, you mm, say this a lot on the podcast. Right. Reminds us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But since losing my wife of 23 years, suddenly and tragically, I have experienced that necessary testimony at a whole new depth. Sunday sermons have their place. In other seasons of my life, I've grown from those teachings. But in this season of loss and stretching of my faith in Jesus, I don't need my head filled with any more sermons. Mm. I need testimonies. I want to hear from those who have walked through the same kind of devastating loss I have with our Heavenly Father and now stand in a place of strength on the other side of that loss, wow. their faith still intact, seeing for me what I can't fully see for myself yet. Thank you, Nothing Is Wasted team, for sharing vulnerably and honestly. Thank you for not playing it safe in in your interviews. Mm. When the church is willing to be real, people are truly ministered to. This podcast and NIW ministry has been a lifeline to me and my boys. Wow. uh, That one brings me to tears. Yeah, you absorb it and you go, I don't even know what to say after that, Um, other than thank you. 
You know, thank yeah, you thank for you. being a part of our Nothing Is Wasted family. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling us how this has impacted you because just by you telling that, that gives us resilience, you know? I mean, That's I think right. we're going to talk a little bit about resilience as we come back from this conversation, you know, on the back end of, after you listen to Kendra Clark share her story. Aubrey and I will talk a little bit about it, but I, I do think one of the things that helps us to persevere is just like Revelation 12 says, that we hear the testimony of people. You can get through this. Yeah. You can get through this. And so stick around. Aubrey and I will talk a little bit more about that on the back end. Uh, but for now, let's listen to this conversation I have with Kendra Clark. Kendra, it's so great to have you on the podcast with me. Davey, thank you so much for having me today. It's, a, I, it's my privilege. I am really excited about this conversation. I'm excited for what the listeners are in store for because you and I have had a previous conversation where we spent some time and I was hearing some of, the, some of your story I, I, and we, we only got into a little bit of it because your story has so many complexities, so many things <laughs> that you have walked through. And by God's grace and his faithfulness, he has guided you through all of these things and is still continuing to guide you through these things. I'm excited about this conversation because very few people that we talk to have walked through the variety of pain and suffering that you have walked through. And so I'm just thrilled that you would spend some time with us uh, dissecting those things and, and articulating what God has taught you through, uh, through everything you've walked through. Thank you, David. I'm honored to be here to share my story. And, and like I said, I mean, we, we spoke earlier about my experiences in the last 10, 15 years being more of a buffet than an a la carte. Mm -hmm. But, you know, God's beautiful design. He knows the end from the beginning. And for whatever reason, you know, I had the buffet handed to me. But yeah. we will discuss that in detail today. And, yeah. and according to the Holy Spirit, we'll share insights and, and, yeah. and share our, you know, our passion for using God's word to get through these difficult times mm -hmm. that, you know, all of us face at some point in time. So. Absolutely. Well, I, I don't want to, um, spend any more time, uh, on a runway <laughs> to people hearing your story. So I'd love for you to give us, let's, let's kind of look at the 30,000 foot perspective. Cause just <laughs> as you said, there is kind of a buffet of it. And let me just note <laughs> this, that my only interactions with you, you have been full of smiles. And when people hear all that you have walked through, they're going to, I mean, if you can't see Kendra right now, she's smiling right now as we speak. They're, they're not going to understand how in the world are you full of so much joy. So I'm so excited that as we begin to uh, unfold uh, your story, that we're also going to be able to unfold um, how God breaks into darkness, breaks into brokenness, mm -hmm. and brings joy and, and restoration in it. So let's go back, and why don't you kind of give us a chronological 30,000-foot sure. view of everything that you've you've been walking through. Absolutely, and we'll talk about the tender mercies that kind of come intertwined with all of these. But to, just to give you a kind of, like you said, a 30,000-foot uh, view, I mean, I'll give you a little bit of history of my family, too, because I think that's relevant as well. I, I'm the mother of four adult children. Um, I'm a practicing neurosurgery physician assistant here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm married to a, a pilot, a commercial airline pilot, and I have four beautiful grandbabies. And so just kind of give you that overview wow. um, moving into these stories. 
I went to I went to PA school in Utah, and this was in approximately 2007 when I graduated. And my okay. children were still middle aged school, so I was very active in being a mom of these young children and going to you know three years of hardcore medical training for. Mm-hmm. Without a break. So, so really I was coming out of um, graduating from PA school, just ready to, you know, start my, my career and feeling like, gosh, when I got through all of that, let's just kind of, let's conquer the world type thing. Right, right. Well, life had a little bit of different, well, I should say God had a little bit different purpose for me. I, I found that, you know, in 2010, I was practicing as a neurosurgery PA and in 2010, my mother committed suicide. And this was something that was, um, it was, it was, a shock to me, obviously. I mean, it was one of those situations where I knew that my mother had some issues with mental health. We won't go into it in detail, but bottom line is she decided to take her life in 2010. And at that time, shortly after my mother committed suicide, we were living in Utah and we decided to move to Scottsdale, Arizona. And so we moved to Scottsdale, Arizona to be closer to one of my best friends that I've had for about 30 years at the time. And my husband at the time was also transferred with his job. So it really seemed like a nice way to kind of start fresh. Mm-hmm. So we moved here to Arizona. And shortly after we moved here, must have been probably two or three months, my husband at the time, after about 22 years of marriage, decided to take a different path in life. Mm-hmm. And he decided that his path was not going to be with our family. And so that was a very tough yeah. time in my life simply because I had just lost my mother. I just moved here to Arizona and I had two children in college at the time and two children were still in one was in elementary and one was in, in middle school. And I, my best friend, as I mentioned about 25 years, very close friend of mine decided to um, align herself with, with my husband at the time. So not only did I lose my husband, I lost my sister, my, my best friend that I, my only best friend really that I had. And so I felt like I lost, I lost him. I lost her and I was completely alone here. And I had these two children still to raise and two college children. So I was, um, really struggling at that time. And I was in a very busy neurosurgery position at, at, um, here locally as a, as a PA. And so that was a very tough time for me. Uh, fortunately, God's tender mercies, I did end up um, dating a wonderful man who ended up being my husband. So that was a time in my life that I was able to start over again. And this this man didn't have any children, was never married. And so that was a beautiful blessing in my life to be able to have somebody who was my rock at the time where I was trying to navigate this very tumultuous time alone. And you know, now that I had these children, these two children at home. And as I was proceeding the next couple years, um, just to go back just a little bit to get some history on my, my family of origin, my father was, was truly my, my mother and my father because my mm. mother had some issues with mental health. Right. And to even go back a little further, before I was conceived, not to get too confusing, but before I was conceived, my brother, my oldest brother, he was five years old and he was flying a kite. And he ran up to the end of the street and was hit by a truck. Wow. And he had a traumatic brain injury. And so because he was he was put on life support and he was clearly expected to pass away, I was conceived simply because my parents didn't want my other brother to be an only child. So now, fast forward just a bit, my brother, whose special need needs, he remained the, got the cognition of a five-year-old. So mm. he was truly like my child right. growing up. Right. And so... After my mother committed suicide and through and go back just a little bit to my childhood, my entire upbringing, my father was really my rock, my mother and my father. 
And so now we'll go back to my mother, you know, after my mother committed suicide, my father truly was just my everything. And two years later, my father, without any way of, de- of, of forecasting his illness, he passed away. We had no idea he was sick. He really wasn't sick. But to this day, we really don't know how he passed away. Yeah. Other than the fact that I got a phone call from the paramedics and I wasn't able to say goodbye to my dad. And that was one of the hardest days of my life because yeah. he truly was all I ever knew, somebody that I trusted, really the only person I could really trust. And it was a very, very difficult loss for me. But what made it worse really is the fact that my brother Guy, who's my special needs boy, I call him my child, my fifth child, my brother, and he had a partner who was also special needs. They were together for 20 years. Without any warning or any preparation, I then really had to scramble to figure out how are we going to care for Guy and Kathy, who was his, his partner. And my parent, my, my, my father rather lived in another state. And so without any opportunity to grieve, I was on the first flight out to make sure my brother and his, his partner were okay. And then of course was in that, was in that save mode, right? right. I mean, we had to make sure they're okay, make sure their emotional stability was, was somewhat healthy. Right. And I, I didn't really have a chance to even, tend to my grief. And so along with all of that tumultuous few weeks, I mean, there's just so much that goes into that. And so I really didn't have a chance to come up for air, to be honest. Um, I did return home. I was able to get my brother settled. I was able to get his partner settled and finally was able to come home and just grieve my father. And Along like the next several months, um, I was in an accident, um, and I won't even—I I don't want to say anything too, in too much detail in terms of what kind of profession caused or what kind of details about the accident. But long story short, I was in an accident where I was injured, which led to um, a very serious spine injury, mm. and I had to undergo two spinal fusions in my low back. And so I didn't really have a chance to even like come up for air with that because then I found myself recovering from this very serious spine injury and which led to, like I said, two spine fusions. And that was all in 2013. And then in 2014, in 2014, I was just like trying to come up and go, okay, you know what? New year. Let's put that behind me. Let's grieve. Let's move on. Let's take care of my brother and his his girlfriend. And it's a new year. Yeah. Um, what ended up happening is I had another injury with another spine injury and ended up having a cervical spine fusion. So that was the next year with another neck fusion. After that, the next year after that, I um, I my brother Guy got very ill. And he had this, this really mysterious illness and nobody can figure out what was wrong with him. And I don't really want to incriminate anybody, but again, the 30,000 foot view was that it was an illness that nobody really could identify and treat. And so it was so complicated for the next two years. I I literally had to really not work much as a PA, but really had to just delve into my brother and make sure that we had the care afforded him to try to manage this illness that was really leading to his demise. And so along that same period of time, 
when my brother was becoming quite ill and I was, he lived in Vancouver, Washington, and I was in Arizona. I was flying out there all the time to try to make sure he was okay and stable, taking him to the doctors, etc. He started to become very, very ill. And I knew that um, the end was in sight. And that was another very significant loss for me because remember he was a five-year-old little boy and he didn't understand death. He didn't understand illness. And so, um, we, we lost my brother, uh, the love of my life. He he died in my arms about a year after that, as we fought, fought for him, but God had other plans. And so he passed away shortly, um, after, you know, that, that last year, this is now we're looking at 2016 ish. He passed away. We had him in hospice and, you know, he, he decided, I mean, not he, but God decided to, you know, to take him back up to the Lord. And so I felt like after my brother's passing, after I lost my mother, my father, my brother, and those issues with my health, I thought, okay, I have to have a break because yeah, there can't um, be any more. Come I on. can't do this. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I knew that I could do it, but right. I just didn't want to do it. Right. So I, um, I came back home to, you know, to Arizona and was ready to kind of, kind of re-engage in my career. And I was having, this is just kind of a little bit incidental issue, but what ended up being kind of a big issue was I ended up having like a lot of knee pain. And so I've, I've been a, I've been an avid runner and a, and a competitive cyclist for years. And so I knew that, you know, I'm 54 years old. I knew that the day will come, that you know, it's right. going to catch up with me. Well, right. so I went and had a, 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 a knee surgeon look at my knee and he thought, you know what, we just need a simple patella replacement. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. Fine. So let's go ahead and, and replace my patella which he did. But lo and behold, the replacement that was put in was about two sizes too large. (laughs) And so, which led to um, two additional knee surgeries, which ultimately led to a total knee replacement, which really wasn't initially, my knee was pristine going into this whole thing. So, so this was a year process with all of those knee surgeries. And throughout all of these issues, my my reprieve was exercise. My reprieve was running or hiking right. or cycling. And so with this year period of time, I, I didn't have that as a resource to have a, an outlet or vent. Yeah. And so I, I recovered from the total knee replacement and said, you know what? It is what it is. Thankfully, I have a fake knee. I have a, you know, everything's fine. We're going to proceed and move on. And that was last year. And then in two, this, this, this year, this was a very interesting year. Um, as we all know, we've all had a very interesting year with COVID. Um, I was furloughed from my job in, two, in March, which was really a blessing in disguise, but gave me a chance to finally take some time to go, well, let's just process everything yeah. and just kind of come to terms with what has happened. This is actually wonderful. And that was in March. And then I decided in June, I have a friend who's a cardiothoracic surgeon, and he asked me just to come help him see a few patients in Texas. And so I said, sure, no problem. So I flew out to Texas for three days. And the very first night I was in Texas. Now, mind you, I was I was um, in quarantine, right? Because everything right. shut down from March until July. So it was the very first night that I'd flown out from the state of Arizona to help my friend. And the very first night in the hotel room by myself, I was woken up from a deep sleep and I had two massive seizures, two grand mal seizures by myself. <laughs> I, and I don't even want to go into detail on that because that's a whole nother podcast. But the bottom line is they were very violent, very painful and terrifying. Yeah. And at the time I didn't understand what they were because of course I was having these seizures. Long story short, I ended up going to the emergency room later that day 
and uh, had a, a stat CT scan, which revealed a very large brain tumor <laughs> in the right frontal parietal uh, region of my brain. And this was in Texas in the middle of really nowhere. Right. And, and we can certainly talk about God's tender mercies on how I was actually flown back to Arizona emergently. And I was at Mayo Clinic for emergent brain surgery in June of this year to have the brain tumor removed. And so I had a craniotomy and they they removed um, a very large brain tumor in June. And then after that, I have been home recovering. And so this has allowed me to just finally, again, knock on wood, <laughs> come up for air. And along these, you know, th- these months and last several years, I've been very fortunate to be asked to speak on this, that, and the other with regard to resilience or challenges, et cetera. And I feel like after this this near-death experience that I had and the conversation that I had with God in the hotel room and the, the subsequent brain surgery and the subsequent recovery, which has led um, to a lot of healing. My, my left side has issues. I'm in Mayo Clinic three times a week. We won't need to go into details. But the bottom line is uh, my story isn't finished. Yeah. This is a long recovery for me. And people look at me and they say, boy, you don't look like you've had brain surgery. It doesn't look like you are, you know, are having these treatments. Um, but, but there's, you know, a lot of nausea and a lot of issues involved. So right. here we sit today in November and um, there's just, you know, as I've been able to really kind of focus and just, just contemplate some of these, these biblical truths mm-hmm. that, that God has revealed to me throughout the years through all of this. Mm-hmm. And, using the Holy Spirit to administer those who have gone through issues or will gone through issues or are going through difficult times in the dark moments. I'm just so happy to be able to help, to help share some, some areas of strength that um, God has given to me throughout the last 10, 12 years. Hopefully that's a a concise history of some of the things. Yeah. Pain is unavoidable. And yet, the primary place I see people get stuck in their pain journey is that they try to avoid addressing it altogether. Recovery starts the moment we choose to take that first step toward wholeness and we lean into the painful emotions. While we believe we have so much to offer as a ministry to help you in your recovery journey, we know there is one area that you need that we don't directly provide and that is traditional counseling and therapy services. That's why we partner with Faithful Counseling. They are an online worldwide organization that provides virtual counseling from wherever you are. They have licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide traditional mental health counseling from a Christian perspective. You can receive the help you need quickly when you sign up because they match you with a counselor in 24 hours or less. Then you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. And if your counselor you are matched with isn't a good fit for you, you're able to switch at any time to find someone who better fits your needs. To be clear, Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify which you can apply for during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothingiswasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off your first month of counseling 
for being a part of the Nothing is Wasted community. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. And now back to our interview. There's so much here that you've walked through that it is very difficult to, I mean, it's difficult to be concise. Um, honestly, Kendra, I mean, I, I sit here and listed them out and we've got, you know, you've lost your mom to suicide. You lost your, your husband, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and him just deciding to, to leave the family, lost your dad, lost your brother after spending mm-hmm. some time taking care of him, a difficult caretaking situation. In the middle of that, you have, you know, spinal health issues, uh, mm-hmm. from some injury. Um, and then, you know, here just recently, what, what I think could be as, as you've described it, one of the scariest, darkest moments in your story is waking mm-hmm. up to these grandma seizures mm-hmm. in a hotel room in Texas and realizing mm-hmm. then that you have a brain tumor and it ushers yes. you straight into a craniotomy. I mean, there's yes so many different things right here. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess as we look at all of it, as you look back on all of these things, I know you're very much still in the midst of it. I guess my question is, is how do you still look and say God is faithful and he is good when the last, I don't know, 10 years of your life, it's been, <laughs> evi- I mean, the evidence displays, most people would say there's no way that your God is good. Well, you know, I've heard often from people, they said, they, they said to me many times, and I'm sure you've heard this throughout, you know, you, the, the, those that you've interviewed is... God will never get you, give you what you can't handle. And, mm. you know, he knows that you can handle it. So therefore he's, he's giving this to you. And I, and I 1000% disagree with that. Mm. And, and, and I feel strongly that with that conventional explanation that God sends us the burden because, because where well, I'm correction, God does not send us the burden himself. I believe just by virtue of being mortals, by virtue of living a life that's part of the byproduct of being mortals, be mortals. But what God does is he understands that we're not strong enough. The idea and the perception that we are strong enough and God gives it to us because we can handle it is wrong. I think it's actually the opposite because truly we're not supposed to handle it on our own. And I think that we as mortals, as we go through life, we develop these egos, we we develop these plan A's, we develop these scripts for our lives. And God often says, you know what? That's not the way that it is. I'm I'm here to help you through life. And sometimes it's just about allowing, you know, God, I can't handle this. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need to surrender my will and look to you and go to plan B. Because truly, I think all suffering really is a result of resisting to what is. And so I just believe mm. like, like Jacob in the Bible, like every one of us at some point in time have a, a scary situation. We pray for help and we find that the, we are a lot stronger and a lot better to handle it than, you know, because of God's mercy and because of God's strength and because of our relationship with God. And for those people that say, you know, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm angry at God. He did this to me. I can't accept the fact that that I have this in my life, whatever, you know, listeners can fill in the blank. But the bottom line is we have to understand that God is beside us amidst these tragedies. He is with us during these tragedies. And we all know the poem with the footsteps, right? right? That God is carrying us through it. So I just, I can't accept that there isn't a God that knows the end from the beginning. I just can't accept it because any other rationale 
really can take me to a dark space and I'm not willing to accept that. Yeah. 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 You just said suffering is resisting to what is. That's a profound statement. I, I posted something on Instagram a while ago that it's a quote from uh, Michel de Montaigne. It says a man who fears suffering is already suffering from what he fears. Yeah. A man who fears suffering is already suffering from what he fears. And so what that tells me and what you're saying, it sounds like what you're saying is that a lot of the suffering that we walk through is f refusing to accept that life is full of suffering. That's exactly right. I do believe that we have these expectations in life. And, and again, this is a Buddhist principle, but all suffering is a result of expectations not met. And mm. so if we understand that life, it's part of the plan. Yeah. It is part of the plan. And before Instagram and before Facebook, before social media, back in the day, a lot of the younger listeners may not remember there was a life before that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have this, this almost like th this facade that we think that everybody's life is perfect, mm. that, that people don't want to share the, the messiness of life. Yeah. But, but I, I'm a firm believer, you know, there, there's a saying that I love that says, a blazing fire makes flame and brightness out of everything that is thrown into it. And from the very beginning of time, when I started to, even as a child, when I had this, this tumultuous relationship with my mother because of the fact that you know, my mother was the one that told my brother to go, to go fly a kite yeah. and consequently he got hit by a truck. Mm. So because of that, she just shut off. And so even as a young child, I had to mm. come to terms with a difficult um, upbringing in that respect. Wow. And so, so Kendra, I are you, you're saying that maybe a, a lot of the mental health issues that your mom suffered with derived from this moment right here where she was struggling to accept the kind of what ifs situation because she felt maybe guilty for, she did. What had taken place with her son. Wow. She did. She did. She, she carried a cloak of guilt her whole life. And after his accident, she just made a vow not to become close or intimate with her children yeah. because she couldn't afford the pain if something happened again. Mm. So here I was born because my brother was going to pass away. And that was the vow that she made to herself. So here I am a baby. And then of course, you know, yeah. as I was growing up in this home, my father really had to pitch hit, pinch hit and just be the mother and the father in yeah. my world because of that situation. Wow. And so I just learned early on to take these, I, I looked at it kind of as a container and I put these, I just, as a, as a child, you're trying to make sense of it. And so I just decided early on that I will not ever recreate my pain. I will always take what is given to me, kind of like the, the, um, the, the analogy of, of, of an energy wire where the ener there, there's, there's circuits that's coming in or energy coming yeah. into a wire. And then of course those big gray transformers, then of course emit different energy. I just right. decided early on that no matter what is handed to me, I refuse to emit the same energy. Yeah, and that funny. goes along with my motherhood because I refuse to be to mother the way that I was mothered. And that was a conscious decision that I had to make early on to break the cycle. Right. So, you know, what? I'm right. not going to emit the energy that was given to me. Now that's yeah. my choice. Everybody has that Absolutely. choice. It's a yep. crossroads and everybody's intentional decision-making on what direction they're going to take. Yeah. And, and based on the Holy Spirit and God's mercy, yep. we all have the decision to make whether we are victims yeah. and we carry a cloak of 
deficiency and scarcity mentality or right. if we have an abundant mentality to change the way that things were given to us mm. and reflect light and love the yeah. decision we make. Yeah, that's so good. I think that that right there speaks to one, the power of decision, the power of agency that each one of us has in the midst of our stories. Um, certainly, so many of our stories are marked by these moments where we, we feel out of control. Things that happen to us that, we, that we're not Absolutely. in our control. But while we can't control the circumstances that befall us or the things that happen to us, we do get to control how we respond to those things. And that right there is the agency that a lot of times people punt. Exactly right. And they fall into a victim mentality and say, you know, my favorite story in scripture, or one of them, I've got a lot of different favorite stories, but right now I'm leaning into this one, John chapter five, where the man is, you know, he's an invalid by the pools of Bethesda. He's been that way for 38 years and he keeps making excuses as to why he can't be healed. Apparently the superstition was, was that there were healing components to the waters that he was laying beside mm -hmm. and that other people would beat him into the waters each time. Mm -hmm. And Jesus comes across him and goes, he literally asks him this question. Do you want to be healed? Like that's the question. Do you, do you even mm -hmm. want to be healed or do you mm -hmm. like being an invalid mm -hmm. by the, do you like suffering what you're suffering here? Mm -hmm. Because at this point, Jesus was, you know, 30 to 33 years old. It was sometime in his active ministry. He would have walked by this man for his entire life, every year, going to the temple with his family to make sacrifice, the, the yearly sacrifice, they were, he walked by this man and he would notice, this man is still here. He's still here. He's still here. And I feel like that's the picture of so many people stuck in their pain because they have refused to take the first step of choosing, you know what, just like what you said, whatever happens to me, I am not going to perpetuate that pain even mm -hmm. more than what it is by uh, by punting my agency, by punting my choice. I have a choice on how I'm, I'm going to respond in this. Exactly right. And I think it's so easy for us, Davey, and, and it's so important for us to understand we are, and I'm sure many listeners are in the thick of hardship right now. Mm. And it's a, it's a blessing to be able to self audit and say, yeah. let's look at my script. Let's look at my ego. I don't want to get too psychological here in this, in this conversation, but we all have scripts for our lives. And in mm. within those scripts are fears. Yep. What if this doesn't happen? What if that happens? What if, what if, what if, and all of that, you know, the ego always wants a job, right? Mm. And so it's going to, it's going to cling onto these fears and, it's important when they're in the midst of it to kind of look like the 30,000 foot mm -hmm. view, again, the global view to say, what is real and what is not? Because mm -hmm. if we look to the Bible and the Prince of all, the Prince of peace is our savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we really kind of step back and say, are these fears real? And usually, like, like you said, the fear is greater than the actual situation at hand. Yeah. And so if we're able to kind of separate ourselves from that and say, Okay, you know what? I'm put in this position, whether it's the whether it's the actions of somebody else, say a husband left, right. or you have a brain tumor. Regardless of any of that, it's your situation right there. And I believe that all of this just adds to our character if we choose mm. to benefit other people. And I think that at the end of the day, it's not even so I know we spoke about this earlier. It's not even so much about, oh my gosh, I've been through so much, therefore I am so strong. Mm. I don't even think it's about that. I think it's about, I've been through so much, but how can I use my bruises and my strengths mm. and my fire to serve other people? Because to administer to other people yeah. is our 
job. And so there's so much beauty in it. And I, I I always have this saying, and I know that I don't mean to sugarcoat it, but it's really important for, for everybody to understand that we can realize that it is possible to not merely survive, but thrive and not despite our challenges, but because of them. Mm. And when we choose that altruistic, eventually, I'm not expecting people who are in the thick of the mud, right. who had to claim bankruptcy or who are undergoing surgery or have a, a dire outcome. It, it's yeah. not reasonable to say it's a panacea of all sorts. That's right. not reasonable. Right. But we are meant to succeed. Yeah. God's promises is we are here to have joy. Mm. But, but there is a refiner's fire. And some people will have a buffet and other people will have an a la carte. Mm. It doesn't matter what the menu is. What matters is, is how are we going to interpret that and act upon it? That's good. Wow. So if someone finds themselves right now in the like throes of the immediate aftermath of whatever the tragedy or hardship that they're in, the message to them right now would be, Hey, you just need to just wake up tomorrow. Right. Because that's like, you know, I mean, wake up tomorrow, make the choice, make the, make the conscious decision to choose to keep walking forward because this is not how it's always going to be. This is not how it's always going to feel. I know you just got this news, this cancer diagnosis. I know you just, you know, this thing, just your husband just left. I know you just found out that you, you know, all of these tragedies that happen in our life. I I can tell you my recipe on how I do Mm. it when I'm, and when I'm thrown in the midst of darkness. I can tell you my step one. I'd love to hear it. (laughs) Well, it's always pray. That's good. It's always align myself with the Holy Spirit. That's great. I don't do it on my own. Yep. Next step is to just look at the tender mercies because you can always find blessings. And I'm not talking about find the blessings and all these hardships. That's not really what I mean. What I mean is Having a brain tumor, I'll use this as, as an example, having a brain tumor, going in for brain surgery, being told when I wake up from brain surgery, it's very likely my left side's not going to work and mm. I'm going to have a lot of cognitive deficits. All right. This is new for me. Mm. 24 hours ago, I never knew I had a brain tumor. Wow. <laughs> but guess what? I'm not going to die. Like I had a, I just believed that I was going to wake up. And when I woke up, I woke up. Wow. And I have the means by which to take the next step when I couldn't really walk after my brain surgery. Mm. So I didn't come out um, fully functioning, but I could stand, Mm. I could eat, I could talk. And so at that point in time, I could, I could see my children. I had two grandbabies that were still cooking, right? Two were born, two were cooking. I had these two grandbabies that I could get excited about. So it might be small and it might be difficult to, kind of thread the needle and go, I can't find anything good in my life. Yes, you can. Mm. And you will. Mm. And you must. Yep. You must. Because if you don't, the alternative is depression yeah. and this and Lucifer and the great deceiver mm. will take you down. And that is not an option. Because wow. that is that is the reality. That will that will happen unless you really fight for well-being and peace and the Holy Spirit, you have to sometimes fight for it. And I think people think, yeah. oh my gosh, I can't do it. And I understand I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. But there's been times I literally have looked in the mirror <laughs> and I wrote post-it notes and I'm mm-hmm. like, you, 
you can do this yep. with, with God, all things are possible. Yeah. And it was the littlest of things that took me to the next, not even the next day, but the next hour yeah. and then the next, the next hour and then the next day. So it doesn't have to be big. It can be small, but it must be a choice in the right direction. Right. That's, that's, that's step two. Step one is pray. Yeah, that's so <laughs> step good. two is do that. Well, yeah, to your point, yeah. I mean, we've mentioned this so many times on the podcast before, but I love Philippians 4.8. I love it. And scripture teaches this principle, mm -hmm. you know, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever, if anything is praiseworthy, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm skipping several of the terms that it says, yeah. but basically it's saying there is, a, there is a thread of goodness, of mercy that is following you in your life. Focus on those things. That's right. Set your sights on those things. Set That's your right. mind on those things. And then it's a formula. It says, okay, when you do, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Right? Amen. This is what Absolutely. it looks like to chase after peace. It, it, it is right. as simple as, and even, you know, secular psychologists are going to tell you there's so much, um, there's so much value to creating gratitude lists, mm -hmm. focusing on the That's things right. that you have in your life mm -hmm. to be grateful mm -hmm. for. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, thanks for that piece of advice, secular psychology. That's fantastic. But that, you know, <laughs> Paul wrote that while he was in prison. You know, this is come, this is God's truth. This is the universal truth that's threaded through all of, you know, humanity. Yeah. If we can really focus on those things, then that, that's going to allow us to begin to walk the journey, get up and walk the path. Absolutely. And I would, I would all, you're absolutely right. And, and with that, because I've done gratitude lists in the past, so I just did one through 10 and went on about my day. I'd had my cup of coffee and happy, <laughs> you know, and I didn't really know what I wrote. And right. it was like, that didn't really help. Like yeah. that was, that, that yeah. didn't help. Let's try that again. Repeat, right? right. <laughs> Let's do a do over. And then when I just like maybe really focused and meditated and prayed on one or two things, it's like, mm. okay, I'm really going to buy into that because my list of 10, I didn't buy into, okay, I'm, you know, I'm free. I'm American. I'm, you know, whatever, right. whatever it was. I don't remember, but, but, but I didn't buy into it. And so to really pick one or two that you can really buy into because and I don't want to really segue into another topic, but I think it's worth noting is what's really beautiful about humanity and about humankind is when you peel back the layers of color, creed, nationality, political views, socioeconomic, education, whatever the case is, gender, whatever the case is, we all have the same woven thread of vulnerability and yeah pain. We all feel pain the same. Not, not always in terms of the way we define it, but we bleed the same color blood. Mm. We, we cry tears of sadness. You, can't, you can go on any continent of the planet, and when you have a weeping mother bearing her in her first world country, her child, she's crying tears of sadness. Yeah. You can go to the, you know, the, 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 the Beverly Hills and the multi-million dollar mansions, they're crying tears of sadness. It unites one another. And so my focus with whatever I've endured is to be here with you right now, Davey, is to talk about the fact that our responsibility and what you're doing is so beautiful and so poignant and so powerful. And I applaud you with, with the, the beautiful blessings of God is the fact that we are here to uplift one another. Mm. If we don't do that, we have failed as brothers and sisters of 
in God's kingdom. We right. have failed. That's my opinion. We have failed. So that is that is how I see it. That we really have to reach out to those who are yeah. who are hurting and yeah. understand that the vulnerable doesn't matter what you look like yeah. or act like or believe in or don't believe in. We all have a vulnerable thread, and it's it's our responsibility to administer to that with yeah. one another. That's great. We have something exciting to share today with you, Nothing Is Wasted family. We are hosting our first ever Nothing Is Wasted Give-A-Thon. Okay, because we've never done this before, we have so many amazing things planned for this Give-A-Thon that you will not want to miss it. Mark your calendars for Thursday, May 6th from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook page. We're going live. Aubrey's going to co-host the Give-A-Thon with me, and we will be joined by some very special guests, like some of our Nothing Is Wasted headquarter team, community group leaders, certified guides, and more. This Give-A-Thon will give you an opportunity to partner with our ministry financially as we reflect on what God has done over the last few years and look forward to where God is moving our organization this year and beyond. You'll have a chance to make a one-time or recurring gift to the ministry, become a monthly partner, donate to scholarships for the Pain to Purpose course and coaching, be able to sponsor a podcast episode or a bundle of podcast episodes, or make a larger donation to sponsor our podcast studio for a year. We will have giveaway opportunities for everyone who tunes in and more fun surprises up our sleeve. So you won't want to miss this first ever Nothing Is Wasted Give-A-Thon. Again, we will be live on my Facebook page, Davey Blackburn, from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, May 6th. We can't wait to see you there. You know, Kendra, when we spoke uh, earlier uh, a couple months ago, um, you were telling me about this moment where you were in this Texas hotel room. You had the the couple of grandma seizures and how it was just a very dark, scary moment for you. I, can, I can't imagine, you know, to feel that out of control. One, asking what's going on, but then two, you have the medical training and history to know exactly what was going on and uh, the risks involved with all of that. Um, how, how would you say God met you in that moment? It was, it, it was, um, it's a great question. During the seizures, there are very violent seizures and these seizures were extremely painful. Normally seizures aren't necessarily painful. My seizures were extremely painful. I had almost like as if I was being electrocuted on my entire left side and I could not control my body. I couldn't control my brain. I couldn't clinically diagnose that I was having a seizure. I had no idea. You know, first of all, when you wake up from a from a deep sleep, you're, you're delirious anyhow. But the violent nature of these two seizures that I had, with regard to pain and loss of function, were off the charts. And so, I was convinced that from what I could gather, because I couldn't really, I couldn't really comprehend what was happening. All I knew was I was dying. I mean, I knew for a fact that I'm going to meet my Lord because yeah. this. That's all I knew because I. I I didn't really understand what was happening with my, my physical body. And I tried to, all I could figure out is, is try to call dial 911, but my arms didn't work yeah. and my eyes weren't seeing and my, my body was thrashing all over the place. So I tried to take my elbow and call 911 and, and that was futile. It didn't work because my arms weren't working. Right. And I remember I fell on the ground and I thought, this is, this is it. 
Wow. I mean, this was, it was such a, a sobering moment. And I remember talking to God. I remember looking up at the hotel room, I was looking at the hotel um, ceiling and saying to the Lord with, with no guise, no, no labels, with no attachments to anything. It didn't matter how many houses I had, how many cars I had. It didn't matter what was my bank account. Nothing mattered. Nothing mm. other than the fact that I'm going to see you, Lord. Mm. I'm going to see you. I'm coming. And on the floor, I remember asking one question, <laughs> one favor. Mm. I said, as I was trying to figure out, okay, I'm breathing still, so I'm actually not dying. I'm breathing, so I'm not dying. That's all I could say. I'm breathing, so I'm okay. I'm, I guess I'm not dying. Mm. So I said, okay, um, not dying. <laughs> so I have a favor. Can you keep me alive until my grandbabies are born? Mm-hmm. At least till I can tell my children, the two, my two oldest children who are who expecting babies, I can tell them that I, you know, that that, you know, I want to see the babies born. And the only thought that can come to mind, and this is the gosh honest truth, was does everybody in my life know that I love them? Mm-hmm. That's the only thing my mind and my brain, as it was seizing, mind you, it was very primitive. Yeah was, does everybody know that I love them? Mm. And I answered that question without even knowing I answered the question. And a peace came over me that was from the top of my head to the bottom of my, my, my feet and was, everybody knows. I never left anything unsaid. Mm. Not that I'm perfect. I'm so imperfect. But that's something that, there's a lot of things I don't do well. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some things I do well. And one of those things is to tell people in my life and oftentimes people that aren't very close to me mm. for whatever reason i meet you know you we have a connection etc i love you thank you for being in my life if it's for a minute or if it's for a year or if it's for 10 years thank you for being in my life yeah. people that i needed to tell i love to i said it and there was just this peace mm. and then i fell asleep and it, it now i know it's postictal meaning after seizure you go to sleep for a period of time and um and I woke up and I, I thought I, I thought that I could have another stroke. I was convinced I was having strokes, not seizures. And so um, it was really just a period of time that I thought I would have a massive stroke and it, and death would be there. But I was I wasn't scared. I was like, people know I love them, mm. dear Lord. This is it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just really wasn't a scary time. Right. And then, of course, I was more cognizant and was able to kind of figure out what happened. Um, still not knowing I had seizures. I still thought it was a, um, a stroke, yeah. two strokes, until I went to the emergency room and I, I realized there were seizures. Wow. But it's very um, esoteric and intangible when somebody has a near-death experience. We want to think it's, yeah. you know, it's panic-stricken or it's whatever. I, I, I beg to differ. In my experience, it was one question. Mm. Is that, did you love? Did you love? the way that you knew that you needed to love. And that's not from a a movie. That's not from a book I read. That's happened to me. And I answered the question. I did. I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect, but I love, I I love easily. And so, yeah, that was the beginning of a very long journey after that moment. But, um, so terrifying. You know, when I, I look at the landscape of your story, I mean, I'm very much think of Job. 
obviously uh, as much loss as you've experienced as much hardship sickness i mean job job is our biblical example of you know the buffet of pain um i'm sure that you've related to him and maybe even drawn some insights from his story yeah. uh is there anything particularly that you feel like man this is wow this is something that i can uh some some insights within job's story that i can really relate to Absolutely. You know, Job's story is really a deepening encounter with God. And so many of us, myself included, we want to think we know God. We want to think God. We want to, we want to interpret God as our minds think it should be. But in reality, it's really about the relationship that we have with God, yeah. the intimate relationship we have with God. And, and, and if we think about, you know, some of the happiest, most successful people spiritually successful people I know are those who walk with those that have been crucified, those that have been vulnerable and humbled. And if you look back at scripture, God didn't walk with the rich Mm. and the prominent. He walked with the poor and the needy, and he tended to those less fortunate. He didn't align himself with this type of party and the, and the aristocrats. He aligned himself with the less thans. And so when I think about Job, I think that it, it's just really, when you peel back the layers on Job's life, you kind of have to get rid of all of the interpretations that we might learn from religion, right? And say, religious people don't have trials. If you're religious, you are blessed. Mm. But the the fact of the matter is, I believe the more spiritual you are and in tune with God is the more hell you go through sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I believe that that's somewhat God's plan. It's those that go through hell are the ones that God walks with. Right. And so I, you know, I know people that don't really have never really had any trials and they they, they kind of lack that depth and they kind of mm. lack that intimacy with God. They know God yeah. based on theory, mm. but in the depths of despair, when you're in a fetal position on the floor and yeah. you don't know what tomorrow brings, that's where God is in the depths. Yeah, right. He, he really is. And so when I think about Job, Job's friends, they had a theory for why he had these misfortunes. Mm. You are not this. You are not that. You're doing that wrong. Look at me. I'm all good and I'm all blessed. Right? Yeah. So they defined him a certain way, but they had it all wrong. Right. Because in reality, Job was torn apart and broken and battered and bruised, but God was with him yeah. during that time. Yeah. So I believe that those that define Job as unworthy, those those um, men and women of great hierarchy back in the day, they had it wrong. They had it wrong because Jesus talks to those who suffer, those that bear hardships. Mm. Jesus is with them. So that's what I take from Job. And it took me a while to kind of understand it because I definitely do identify with Job and I still do, but I know. And and just the conversation I had just the other day with God on a mountain when I was hiking, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't question, mm. where are you? Right. If, right. if I, if I didn't say that to you, I wouldn't be honest. Yeah. And there's been times I'm like, you know, don't guy, I've tried to do things right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I was raised a Mormon for 40 years and that's what I was taught. Mm. And 
what am I doing wrong? I must be doing something wrong. And so I wrestle with that. And I don't think I'd be human if I didn't. But yesterday on the mountain, as I was kind of having some thoughts about this, I looked to God and I just said, you know what? We as, at least I'm speaking for myself, I've always kind of thought, you know, God, are you there for me? Are you there for me? Where are you for me? But then I realized yesterday, am I there for him? Mm. Like, where's my allegiance to him? I'm always thinking, where's your allegiance to me? You know, but in reality, I looked to God and I said, guess what? I'm not going to give up on you. (laughs) Because for so many years, I was like, are you going to give up? I just give up on me. Like it's his job to like not give up on us, which it is. But that's where (laughs) I was. That was my script. But yesterday I just told God something. And I said, guess what? I'm not going to give up on you. I said, even if I don't feel you right now, I'm not giving up on you. You're stuck with me. So whatever the future holds, I'm not giving up on you. Why? There is no alternative. I'm not willing to accept any alternative. I'm not willing to accept the world for my answers. I'm certainly not willing to accept Lucifer for my answers. Because as you know, Davey, there's so many answers in the world, right? You can medicate yourself out of it. You can sleep yourself out of it. You can a lot of things out of this darkness. But I just told God, I'm not not giving up on my faith with you, even though I don't have answers to my future. That's so good. Like it's a two-way street, yeah. right? No, and I, I think I love that. I think yeah. God expects us to say, "Fight for me too, yeah. Kendra. <laughs> mm. Fight for me too. Why is it my job, as if I'm God, to fight for you all the time? Wow. Why can't you fight for me?" Wow. I don't know. That could be off base, but that's what came to my mind no, yesterday, I, and I, I felt like you. I think that's so poignant because when we realize that we are not the center of the world. I mean, that's what we try to make ourselves. We try to make ourselves the center of our world. And it leads to a lot of unnecessary pain and suffering because we interpret our pain and suffering from a me-centered view, which to our point earlier perpetuates our pain and suffering. But when we begin to interpret our pain and suffering from a God-centered view, it changes the way we walk through it. And when we put God at the place that he was, that he's supposed to be put in the throne of our lives. Um, you know what Piper says, we are most satisfied in him when we are most glorified, when he is most glorified in us. And that's true mm. that when we put him on the throne, then we find the most satisfaction that we possibly can. It doesn't make sense sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I but know that's where, that's where God brought Job back to at the end. He said, Hey, yeah. listen, Who's on the throne here? Mm-hmm. And and God's uh, his rule is not one um, of a of a dictator or one who um, is not is not concerned or cons- considerate of his constituents. He is one who is perfectly loving, perfectly merciful, perfectly just, perfectly caring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just mm-hmm. I think it's that's dead on what you're saying there that. You know, this, I will not give up on John chapter six. When, when Jesus mm-hmm. preaches this really hard truth and everybody walks away, he looks at the disciples, he goes, are you not going to walk away too? And they're like, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? You <laughs> have the words of life. I'm not ready. Just Try like it. what you said, I'm not ready to trust uh, all of this. I'm not, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm not ready to trust the world and their answers. That's right. I'm not ready to trust. That's right. I'm ready. That's right. We went, we've got to look to you and trust you. And I don't know what you have in mind here. And it doesn't make a lot of <laughs> sense right now in the darkness, but we're going to trust you and we're going to follow after you. And so, and, and I think it's so poignant if we look back on the times of Jesus and his walk, the story could have been different. And the fact that Jesus could have 
not been crucified. He could have yeah. reigned as king in all of his glory. And then I think as mortals, we would have said, wow, that has to be what I have to do too. Mm. But God said, no, I'm going to do it a different way. Yeah. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to have spears on the side of my of my side and spears, you know, you know, right, in, in right. my side and bleed. And I'm going to suffer and I'm going to bleed from every pore. I'm going to, I'm going to be the crucified one. I'm going to be the wounded one. Yeah. And so by, by just by, by his example alone, to me, it's just not that I'm saying we have to live this life in just utter despair because yeah. that's not what God has intended no. for us. But as the perfect example of, being broken and he's paid the price for not only our sins, but our successes in our life and everything that it's just an example that when, not if, but when we have these hardships, then of course it is our, is our responsibility to administer to other people during their times of hardships. And I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm a firm believer that pain doesn't always create character hardship doesn't always develop integrity but what it does is it reveals character Mm. it reveals integrity or it doesn't conversely right right? Right. and so if for those listeners that are in the midst of darkness and a lot of listeners are you know that are in the midst of darkness might be very you know successful in their profession or whatever realm they're defining success it's important to understand that that this is a moment in time that our character is revealed, mm. and it's very important to be true to that. Yeah, that's because good. it's you know I know that I've often told myself, "Gosh, this is going to make me so strong," which it has. Yeah. But the challenges themselves don't make me strong by definition. Mm. I am strong simply because I I would like to think that. I, I endured them patiently yeah. because well, the challenges are an invitation to become stronger. But you're right; they're not going to strengthen you by default. You know, you have to just like we said at the very beginning of this. You have to choose yeah. that you're going to um, walk the walk the path that you're going to mm-hmm. accept it, and that you're going you are going to let this uh, refine you and and shape you. Um, mm-hmm. in the midst of it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. that's wow. right. Well, Kendra, this, this has been an incredible conversation. I'm, I'm so appreciative of you sharing your heart, sharing your life with us. And, and, um, mm-hmm. is there, is there a place that we can follow, you know, you, are you on any of the social media stuff? You have a website. I mean, what, where can we <laughs> kind of follow along your journey? And hear I, more I from am you? on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Kendra Clark, Arizona. Uh, on both Facebook and Instagram or Kendra Clark and Scottsdale, but it's Kendra Clark, Arizona is my, is my handle. And um, that's where you can find me. I have, I have a website, but it's, it's not really active right now. And I'm on LinkedIn as well, but I think the best way is just really reach out on Facebook, Kendra Clark, Arizona or Kendra Clark AZ. And you'll be able to find me on um, both uh, Facebook and Instagram. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, my pleasure, Davey. Thank you for having me. We are going to continue to pray for you as you're walking the, this leg of your journey right now, as you're, um, thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for your voice and for your encouragement and all of this. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for your efforts for this podcast. It's an honor to be with you today. Thank you very much.
What a wonderful conversation with Kendra. Um, Absolutely. I'm telling you, again, I I just keep going back to the phrase that she said, a buffet of pain. And I I can only imagine, Mm. and maybe you're listening to this and, and you feel the same way, that it feels like it's just been a season. You know, a lot of times pain, hardship, suffering, it kind of comes in uh, in, in pairs or in threes, it, it, one yes, after it the does. other, after yeah. the other. And it seems to hit that way for, for whatever reason, you know, for Kendra it was multiple over a stretch of about 10 years. Um, yeah. and, and it's hard not to just want to give up. It's hard not to want to just say, listen, you know, like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I can't take this anymore. I this can't is too take much. this. Right. And, or to even approach life every single day going, when's the next shoe j- going to drop, you know? That's what I was thinking. When's the, yeah, when's the ball going to drop again, right? Because mm-hmm. it's too, whew. Yeah, yeah. You know, she um, she mentions this phrase that, uh, and, and debunks it, right? She's, she said, I do not believe in this phrase at all. And we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast in the past, but it's worth noting again, this phrase that God doesn't give you more than what you can handle. And um, mm. and and she she completely throws this out. And I would agree, you know, that, Really, I think that, um, you know, first of all, pain is not necessarily something, I, I don't believe, that's something that God um, uh, inflicts on us or that he like, you know, right. th- he, there's not, he can't inflict evil on us, but it is something that he allows right. in our life. Yep. And, yep. and so it passes through the hands of a sovereign God when it comes into our life. Um, he yep. could prevent it, but sometimes he doesn't. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's for Which our is good. a complicated thing to it wrestle is a very with. Certainly. Complicated why, thing. why doesn't he? Right. Yep. We talk about in the pain to purpose course, one of the things we sit, tell you is, and, and kind of teach through is that he, he sometimes intervenes to prevent, but he always intervenes to produce. And so he's always producing mm. something out of this pain that you're going through. But, but I believe that sometimes, you know, God is going to allow more than what we can handle and it is Absolutely. for our good because it drives us to a place of dependence on him where we That's get to it. this place yes. where we recognize our own self-sufficiency is not going to hold up. Our own trying to yep. white knuckle our way through things is not going to hold up. And you've hit yep. your capacity. You've hit your lid. You no longer can do it. And now you're driven to your knees to depend on, on yep. the Lord. And that's exactly where he, his work is best in our lives. I think too, it makes you go, oh, I'm not God, <laughs> you know, exactly. only God is God because this is so out of, this is so out of my control, so out of my power, so out of anything I can even, I, in my hu- limited humanity, yeah. I cannot do this. And really, I think you're right, David, it forces you to your knees to go, okay, God, I, I mean, you have a choice, right? You have right. a choice to go, okay, God, I'm done with you. Right. Or... To lean in like you never have before to, to fall flat on your face and Lord, I cannot do this without yeah. you. Can you meet me? And what a what a beautiful God we have that gives us his presence and his comfort and his spirit when we are in that place, when we're on our face before him saying, I can't do this. Right. Um, right. at that point, I, I love the way God meets his children with his just tender, unimaginable, undescribable presence. Yeah. What's so cool about when we experience things that are more than we can handle, that it, that's too heavy for us. There's like a dual, yeah. it's like a, there's like a dual thing that happens. One, it, you know, whenever you're carrying something that's too heavy for you, it builds muscle. And I'm talking about in the physical realm, right? The same thing yeah, is true mm-hmm. in the spiritual realm. 
our faith is a muscle. Mm -hmm. And so as we're carrying something that's heavier than us, then it built, it's building faith muscles. It's building. That's what resilience is. Resilience is having the capacity and the faith to continue to trust God, even when you don't see that it's going to work out. Even though when your eyes in the physical and the material are telling you one thing, you know, by faith that something else is true. And so it builds that faith. But what it also does is it reminds us who is strong enough to carry it. And we're able to take those burdens and lay them at his feet. And in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. So there's this dual thing that happens where he comes in to be strength for us and he's strengthening our faith in the whole process. He strengthens us when he does that. And then it's true because then when you face the next trial or the next trouble, like James 1 talks about, you actually have more of that faith muscle. You have more right. of that endurance to be able to face it again because you've seen the track record, right, of God's right. faithfulness, and that builds your resilience. Yeah, one hundred percent. I love. I mean, there's so many scriptures scriptures that really can help to encourage us in this like uh, perseverance and endurance, right? And, and and you know, I think about like Ephesians six where it talks about the armor of God, and it says when you've done everything that you possibly can do to stand. Mm. Stand, you know, stand. That's it. Just stand some more, you know, because you yeah. know, there's another. I don't remember exact the exact reference, but um, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yeah. Right? There's this. There's this standing firm on the rock, even in mm-hmm. the face of the storm. That if you resist, if you're resilient, if you hold your ground, just hold it. Mm-hmm then God's going to, he's going to come in and he's going to, he's going to rescue. I think about the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter four, where it says after he was tempted, then the angels came in and attended to him and ministered to him, right? It brought him strength again after he resisted. And so there is a place where we are having to persevere and endure, where we have to make a decision. We have to decide to put our, our, our stake in the ground and go, no, I'm going to stand. I'm going to resist. And although everything else inside of me says, give up cave, you know, what does Galatians six, nine says, it says, do not grow weary in well-doing for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. Why? How? Like when, if you do not give up, there's a huge conditional statement there for those who don't give up, they will. That's a promise. You will see harvest and fruit and healing come out of this if you stand. Amen. That's yeah. resilience right there. Yeah. And I, I do think sometimes we think these these things happen in our lives and we, we have to sort of remain passive recipients of suffering or of pain. Yeah. And sometimes these things are uncontrollable right. and there is nothing we can do. Some of mm-hmm. some pain is so inexplicable. There's no explanation for it. But like you said, Davey, there is a moment where you can um, command your own agency with the Holy Spirit right. guiding you and say, I will lay my stake of faith in the ground right. at this very moment, and I am not going to walk away from the God who has been faithful to me. Yep. And he's faithful to give you that strength. So ask for it. That's he right. wants to give it to that's you freely. Right. And um, that's all a part of partnering with God to take back your story. That's what we're all about here and Nothing Is Wasted. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And so if you're just getting started on that journey, if you've kind of found yourself on your back in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, we want to walk with you through this, point you to 
Jesus, who is the ultimate shepherd, who's going to yes. get you through this and get you out on the other side. And so we've got ways that you can do that. We can help you on this journey. If you go to nothingiswasted.com, maybe you want to check out uh, our community group platform and connect with others who are walking through the same valley that you are. Maybe you want to take the pain to purpose course. You can take it in a lot of different formats. You can take it individually by yourself. You can take it with a group. You can take it at your church if your local church is offering it. If your local church is not offering it, we'd love to help you launch it at your local church. You can also hire a certified guide if you need some more one-on-one coaching guidance uh, through the pain to purpose process. Again, nothingiswasted.com. We'd love to help you partner with God to take back your story. We are also excited to announce that we are getting ready to celebrate our fourth birthday, birthday. Davey. Nothing is Wasted is celebrating their fourth birthday in June. We're no longer a toddler. We're a preschooler now. Is that... That's right. Our you know? heads are bigger than our bodies and we're, you know, sometimes that's, it feels like good. that. It's good to it graduate up to our first fourth birthday. Oh, that's great. That's um, great. But we are so excited. We want to actually celebrate with you for our fourth yeah. birthday episode. We're going to do something kind of different. We're going to have a Q&A episode. So we want to know your questions <laughs> awesome. and then Christy and Davey and I are going to answer them. And so here's what we need you to do. We want you to call into our phone number, which is 317-983-1090. Again, that's 317-983-1090. Say your name, introduce yourself, say where you're from, and then ask us any question. Anything is uh, on the table, and we're going to do our best to answer it. And if we choose your question, we're going to feature you on the podcast for that episode. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to hear your questions and to answer those. Um, and we want to, before we close, we want to thank sleeping at last for providing all the music for the nothing is wasted podcast. And you can go listen to his music anywhere. Music can be downloaded and streamed. Uh, we want to encourage you to follow us on Instagram, engage with us there. As you're listening to the podcast, tag us and let us know. Let us know what's really impacting you. We'd love to hear it and interact with you there. You can follow us at nothing is wasted ministries. You can follow me and engage with me at Davey Blackburn and Aubrey at Obsamp, A-U-B-S-A-M-P. Next week, we have a conversation with Vanitha Reisner. And uh, man, it's an unbelievable one. I want you to listen to a little clip of my conversation with her right now and join us next week. I was pretty much alone. Once I was in the hospital for nine months straight and my parents could only see me uh, on the weekend on Saturday. So that just set me up for this life of isolation. I feel like I kind of lived on my own. The kids in the ward were the people I hung out with. And that was hard. But was harder was when I got out of the hospital and kids would make fun of me because I had a pretty pronounced limp. I still do. And they would just laugh at me and ask me what was wrong with me. And I remember right after I got out of the hospital, when I was seven, and that's when I actually learned to walk, mm. I was walking by myself and these boys jumped me. They didn't. They threw stones at me and they pushed me down and they called me a cripple. Wow. And I remember that day because that day, I don't remember that much from my childhood, but that day I remember thinking, the world is not safe. Mm. 